Welcome to the Marketing for Business podcast. This is your host, Scott Wilson. Sean Stockman, welcome to the Marketing for Business podcast. Thank you, Scott. I'm really looking forward to this chat um, for a couple of reasons. You're someone that I really admire uh, from a business point of view, uh, mainly because oh, look, I, I think you do some world-class stuff with your um, uh, your buildings. And I've been a tenant in uh, buildings there when it first started, and people always would comment to me how how uh, beautiful the the buildings were and the insides. And then also, you know, now being new tenant of Cotters, I think you should do some things differently. And I think some people are going to learn a lot uh, from having this chat. So I really appreciate your time. Great. Thank you. So, so how did you get started? I read somewhere online that you were a panel beater back in the day. I was a panel beater when I left school. Yeah. Um, yes, yes, panel beater. Then uh, morphed into cars. Yep. Was a car dealer for a while. Oh, really? Yes, and then uh, morphed into real estate. Wow. So when you were uh, at school, did you like school or were you out of school? Because I know I've interviewed a few successful people now and they weren't the, the f- most, uh, school wasn't the, the their first choice, let's put it that way. Yeah, halfway through uh, the first year of high school, um, <clears throat> I got uh, summons to the principal's office yep. and got put into a work experience class oh. where we sat in an old villa at Hagley, beside Hagley High, which was yep. part of Hagley High School, and we sat on beanbags. Yep. This is in 1973. Yeah, yeah. And we got taken out twice a week for a trip to the gardens or summer or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And um, once and then twice a week we'd go to work. Oh, wow. So we'd go to work for a firm. So yep. um, I worked at um, Motor Traders uh, where I would unpack parts Okay. Uh, out of a container and put them in bins. Yep. But one thing that did was I had to match up the numbers on the part oh, with wow. the number on the bin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm very good at maths as a result. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And were you beforehand? Like, you obviously had a lot no. of numbers. No, really? No, no. Oh, wow. No, it wasn't. So that taught me that. Yeah, awesome. Uh, also got me into the habit of work. Yeah. And were you selected for that because you just didn't really get the, the point of being at school or you just you, uh, you just wanted to... Well, I had low low maths, low English. Yep. Um, I wasn't a problem at school. Yeah. Know, I wasn't one of the naughty kids. Yeah. But, uh, it was Hadley High School, uh, early seventies. Uh, Ian Lee was principal. So yeah. A different school. Yep. Um, they were already starting to go in a bit of a different direction. Yep. And they just, I think they just picked. There was about thirty of us in the class. Yeah. And it was a new class that was set up. Yeah. Um, as I say, it was in the old villa. Yeah. The villa's gone now, it was an old villa. And um, we just got all grouped together. Yep. And as I say, we used to go for trips. We yeah, used to good. go to the gardens. We used to yeah, get Sumner and Vane. It was great. Yeah, good. And, and so uh, the company that you worked for, like, were you partnered up with someone? Did someone, like, or did they hear, there's your job, get on with it, son? Like, how was it? Uh, that was, so we had... What would happen is you'd have uh, firms that would come forward and say, we could offer work experience. Yep. And um, I just picked that one because yeah. I, I, I like cars. Yeah. I didn't realise it was a car part. Oh, wow. I thought it was a car sales. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So I said, I'll, I'll, I'll go to there. So I, I picked it, went there, and uh, they had a guy there, an older guy. Yep. And he, he basically like mentored me and... We, we, you know, do that's awesome. From, yeah, we do all sorts of stuff, but mainly unpacking 
parts out of containers. Yeah. Um, so, so obviously got good at maths. What else did you learn in those early days there? Like uh, work experience, um, the workplace culture. Mm. Um, I learned a lot about the workplace culture because not everybody there liked everybody. No. It was quite a big place. Yep. Um, people didn't really work together. They worked against each other. Yep. Learned that fairly early on. What do you think that was? I don't know, 70s, there was, I mean, you know, people were, it was a, just a different, it's a different time where people, you know, don't want to mention the R word, but people were quite racist. Yeah. And it wasn't something I'd grown up with or, yeah. or ever adapted to. Yeah. But as in, I didn't, you know, I wasn't racist, I never accepted yeah. it. Um, but that was, that was, that was part of the work yeah. culture there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the firm, it was quite a big firm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, not everyone got on. It, yeah. was, it wasn't good. I what, what age were you then? Uh, 50, I was when I went to work there. I was thirteen. Wow! So I worked there for two years. Yeah, I worked there for two years, and then they offered me a job, and I had a panel wedding apprenticeship lined up, and I couldn't start the panel wedding apprenticeship because they take apprentices in. Yep. In those days, they take them in. So I don't think I started until like February, and I had a gap between the October and the February. So I went there and worked there. For Full time for about three or four months. Oh, wow. And then um, started my apprenticeship, which in those days we used to go to Polytech. Yep. And you'd learn about um, metal and the strength of it and yep. you know, energy in the metal. Yep. It's not just knocking a dent out, so yeah. stuff. Um, so we'd done, you know, there was you know, written stuff, which I found hard, and there was also practical stuff. We yeah. actually practical worked on a door or a bonnet. Nice. That had a dent in it. Yeah. So I learned that stuff. Um, and done that for four or five years. Yeah, yeah. Um, repaired cars at home, so I bought insurance okay. wreck. So I was about, yeah. um, I think I was 16 when I bought my first insurance wreck from um, AMI's Blackboard Auction and took it home to parents' place. And was, that, was that just because you were interested in cars or did you think oh, I could turn a dollar here? Or? Yeah, turn a dollar. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, by, the time I was, um, by the time I was 18, uh, I had... I had a car, I had a car of my own, a 65 Mustang, I had nice. a $4,000 deposit towards the house, which was $18,000. Wow. So if you think about that yeah, in terms yeah, of metrics, yeah. it was a good result, and yeah. I paid for the furniture for the house, and I got married at 18. Wow. First time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so 18 years, and you, so you, your deposit on the house is four grand? Yeah. And the total house was 18... 18,000. Wow. Where was that? Do you remember? Brighton. 40, Brighton. 47 Grantley Street. Wow. <laughs> and uh, do you know what that property's worth today? Uh, it's, it's a rest home now. It sits oh, on my end, but it was a quarter-acre site with a... A quarter-acre site with a... Um, a two-bedroom and a sunroom bungalow, like mm-hmm. a Twinkies bungalow, that would probably still be worth... Mm, quarter acre is a good site, probably... It's probably five or six hundred, yeah. five hundred grand still. Wow, yeah, <laughs> that's impressive, right? So, where did that desire come from? Was that like you just you wanted to get ahead, or want it, or, or was it just like did that come from parents or other people? What was your? Um, those people that were sort of definitely people around me that were drivers. Yeah, um, the guy I worked for when I was a panel beater, he had, um, you know, other property, a nice home. Yep. Um, yachts, good cars, yeah, yeah. and he had, he had also um, repaired insurance wrecks. Yep. Um, okay, so he knew you, what you saw he was doing, right? I saw what he was doing, um, 
and I thought, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, yeah. I thought I can do that. Yeah. And, um, and I said, basically, just, like, you know, I said, I'd go to the Blackwood auction, buy a car, get a tow, tow truck home. Yep. Um, strip it, repair it, um, you know, get one of the boys in from work to paint it. Yep. Reassemble it. Very good. I'll, I'll resell it. I'd always, I'd always say to people what had happened to the car. Yep. I'd always say, hey, I bought an accident, damaged, here's some photos of what I've done. This was done, that was done, you know, and you literally couldn't fault them. They were brilliant, fixed well, you know. Yeah, because you have a keen eye for detail. I must, like, that is something everyone says when they walk into one of your properties or that I've been in. Everyone says, oh, this is, this is really nice, you know. Is that, did you learn that then? Did you c- yeah. carry that on? Panel building mm-hmm. does that to you because yeah. it's, um, you don't have, uh, you know, a car that's not repaired well, it's yep. quite spotable yep. in terms of door gaps and bonnet yep. gaps and the way things go back yeah. in it. Because when, when a car has a decent accident, you've literally got to, you've got to strip everything out around the damaged area. Yeah, yeah. In some cases, that was dashboards, which is, you know, they're mares of things that take yeah, yeah. out. That'd be worse than on a modern car. Yeah. You'd have to take it all out, repair all the damage, put everything back in so it looked like it hadn't been to bits. Yeah. Can't crack plastic bits or the screws had to go back in right. If it was a black screw, you couldn't put a soil screw in the hole. Yeah, yeah. So all that stuff taught me detail. Detail. So then I got, and then I married a perfectionist. Yeah. Um, she was a seamstress. Yeah, I was. So she was very, she was very, very, very good. Yeah. Um, but equally, she had an eye for detail. Yeah, yeah. So the two of us, you wouldn't, you wouldn't find a crumb in the kitchen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. So and was panel beating your first choice? Like that's what you wanted to do? Like that's you? you yes, it yeah. was, yes, it yeah. was. I wanted to be. A, um, well, I wanted to be. I wanted to be involved in cars. Yeah. And um, that was uh, that opportunity arose um, through my father-in-law. Yep. And uh, I took it. And as I say, four or five years in, um, I got a job selling cars. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like obviously, always interested in cars. Working. You've if you've obviously finished your apprenticeship. Yep. yep, and you've worked for how many years? Four or five. Yeah, I think it was about four and a half, I think. But, but then to go into like a sales role, that's a completely different. Yeah, but I've been selling cars at home. Ah, true. Yes. See? So I've been yeah, dealing yeah. with people. Yeah, I've good. Been selling cars at home. Yep. And so you got an opportunity? Yes, so I got, and I wasn't sick of panel bidding, I just thought, yep, yeah, I can do better here. So I got yeah. a job selling cars, yep. and it was. Um, uh, on a weekly basis, I got uh, I got ninety dollars a week in the hand, mm-hmm. and for that you had to wash the cars in the morning. And, you know, help wash them, yep. and open them and start them and all that stuff, and a bit of grooming, and then you got five dollars, five dollars for the first car, ten for the second, third, fifteen for the third, and so on, on a weekly basis, but kept at twenty five dollars. Yep. So it, that was the weekly pay. So I actually earned more selling cars, cars. and got a company car supplied. <laughs> um, and I could still do my wrecks at home. Yeah, yeah. But I used to have to work Saturdays. Okay. As well. Which, yep. and, but only till lunchtime on yep. those days. Oh, wow. It wasn't seven days a week. Yeah, yeah. 12 o'clock, put the chain up, and off you went. And what sort of cars were you selling? Like? Uh, at the car yard? Yeah. Uh, Leyland P76s. Yep. Uh, Morris 1800s, uh, MGB GTs. And was this still the 70s? Like when? Uh, yeah, that was uh, 70, 
79, yep. 79, 80, yeah. around that era, like a... Like a so oh, cars are still relatively new, right? Like, for yeah. a lot of people, you know, they probably only had one car per family, yeah. you know? Um, so still relatively early days. Yep. I remember we saw, we had, used to have Valiant Chargers in the yard, and they were like, you know, 1973, 1974, yep. um, six-cylinder Hemis, and they were... Three nine nine five retail. Three nine nine five. Yeah, for a charger, and then XA Falcons. Yeah, you know, they were about two and a half odd grand, and then you had Ford Fairmonts, which was the luxury Falcon, yeah, yeah. which was more um, Hellman Avengers, Hellman Hunters. Yeah. Um, what was the company car? I had a Morris Marina. <laughs> it was called yeah, Magenta, which is a nice word for purple. Purple, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, um, I drove that for yeah. I drove that for a year or so. Yeah. Um, and what 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 did you learn in the car yard there? What was your uh, bus- really quite good business acumen? Mm. You know, you you when you trade a car or bought a car, yep. that was when you made the money. Yeah, okay. Sure, you made the money selling it. Yep. But if you paid too much or underestimated what was the spend, Got it. it was a disaster. Yeah, yeah. So I learned that pretty quickly. Yeah. And then I remember one day I talked to my boss, and it was about the 20th of the month, and uh, he said to me, uh, you know, what have you got on the go, you know? And we used to get the notebook in the office, and mm. I said, oh, I haven't got much on the go, actually. He said, oh, this is the worst month I've ever had in business. We haven't even made overheads for the month. Oh, wow. And I said to him, and back in those days, you know, profit on a car yeah. was about four or five hundred dollars profit. Wow. Yeah. So it wasn't wasn't massive. No. Um, and I remember, I remember saying to him, you know, what you, so what have you got a what have you got a what do you what's your overheads? And he said, oh, they fluctuate on a month. He basically depending on what you buy, but between five and six grand. So when you think about that, yeah, it's a few cars. When you think about that in context, that's a few cars you yeah. yourself. Um, and some of these guys today, they've got massive overheads now. Yeah. Massive. Yeah, the floor, <laughs> the floor finance is huge, massive, right? Huge. And yeah. You know, everything's yeah. Toppy. Toppy. Yeah, exactly. But so, so obviously, it was interesting him telling you that though. Like he was obviously leading you in on a bit of what's going on. Yeah. Um, and and did did he turn that around? Not that month. That was the worst. Yeah. It was the only month. I remember him saying to me, "It was the only month that he ever had in business where he actually lost money." Wow. And, and yeah, they haven't registered to me that yeah, people yeah. actually lose money. Lose money in business. Yeah, it's a good business just does well. Yeah. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a well, that's good that he was sharing that, right? Because yeah. I'll probably let you in a wee bit that hey, let's work a bit harder here and see what we can do. Did um was he what sort of marketing were they doing back in the day there? Uh, it was all press ads. Yeah. It was all press ads. Oh, okay. So you had a um oh yeah, press it was press was press ads because I was just trying to think. The auto trader, I don't think, was around then. We didn't use it, but the press used to supply you with a half a piece of A4 paper, yep. and you'd write your account number on the top and the yard that you're at, and then you'd write the ad out for the vehicle. Oh, right. And then the then the depending which days you advertised, the guy from the press would come driving in in a wee car, yep. and he'd collect your ads. Oh, really? Yeah, and then you'd, you'd, you'd collect your ads, there you go, and, and they'd put them in the paper, and then about... 1990, a thing called a facsimile came along. <laughs> yeah. So you can, so I remember yeah. we got the fax at the yard. Yeah. And um, got told you can fax the ads. Now the rep's not going to come around. Yeah. You've got a fax, you can fax the ads. 
fax machine that's sitting there right <laughs> there. So the deadline's coming up, and I'm panicking, thinking I've got, got to get these ads faxed through, but I've got to, I want a photocopy of them, so I need to get a photocopy before I send them down the fax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Classic. So I ran over to the gas station, <laughs> the coffee, pho- photocopied them, went back to the yard, then realised that yeah. it doesn't actually disappear into the pipe. No, no, no. Um, so it, it's always amazed me to think how the faxes actually work, you know, like that was, it was pretty hard case back in the day. I mean, we used to fax, um, our, uh, finance agreements. I was working for Bond and Bond would help fax them up to Pacific Retail Finance. And it always, it always blew me away that how did that actually go through there? You know, like, yeah, you'd have to wait for the making a funny noise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hard case. So that, that was like from, but that's a massive change in technology. As well, right? Like, obviously, being able to do that um, advancement in technology, the guy doesn't have to drive around anymore. Like, it's just, yeah. Did it get cheaper to run ads? No. Probably more people started doing it, did they? Yeah, yeah. No, the, press, the press was neat. Back in those days, it wasn't, what was, you know, our press bill used to be an arm and leg on a monthly yeah. basis, but um, there wasn't really a lot of, there was not, certainly no digital advertising. Monopoly as well, right? Yeah. So they could probably charge what they wanted to. Yeah. I don't even think there was the back of buses thinking about it. No. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so so obviously, um, what did you learn selling? And what did you like about selling? Um, you learn people. Mm. You learn you learn people's behaviour. Yep. Um, we used to have a book in the office called the Be Back Book. Yeah. And Scott was <laughs> going to be back at three o'clock and his wife would drive the car. All right. And you'd put them in there and then, and then uh, one of the guys I worked with had... Um, had a had a, had a business card that was pink and a business card that was grey. Yeah. And if he gave someone the pink card, it meant that he didn't think they were going to be back. Okay. Just, okay. Just bizarre, but that's yeah, what he yeah. done, done for years. Yeah. He was pretty much right. Um, oh wow! Just gauge good gauge. Just gauging people. And yeah. I I got good at I got good at gauging people. I'd have someone in the yard to look at a car. And I could tell you what, I could literally deal with them for a half an hour or so. Mm. And without asking them what they did for a living, I could almost tell you what they've done for a living. Oh, wow. School teachers are easy to pick, for example. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you're an engineer or something, your hands are a giveaway yeah, yeah. or a builder. Yeah. But I can generally pick what someone does. Wow. And virtually sometimes where they live. Hard case. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so I got good at it. Um, learned a lot about people. Were you, did you get good at asking questions? Because I find all good salespeople, like, they ask good questions and being curious about people. and You've you, you got to qualify people. Mm. When you're selling someone something, you've got to qualify them. That's really important. Um, but equally, you've got to take a, a genuine interest. Yeah. Not a, you know, the average salesman goes, oh, how's your day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. People see right through that. Yeah, they do. Yeah. You've got to be interested in, in what they're going to use the car for, how, it's, how their family's set up, and, you know, where they're looking to drive, how often do they drive. Yeah. yeah. And I genuinely like people. Yeah. All jokes aside, I genuinely like dealing with, yeah. with people and genuinely like people. Um, the real estate was um, good at that. I had a lot of, yeah. a lot of interesting clients. Yeah. So from, from your, your sales experience there, did that's when you started getting to property or were you investing in property there? I bought, a, bought my first investment property at age 24. Yep. Um, it was a um, two-bedroom uh, cottage in Strickland Street. Yep. That was um, 
it was a two bedroom with two living and I converted it to a three bedroom. Nice. And I opened up the veranda on the front. I'd done some research on it. Yep. And found out that it was um, owned by, built by a chap called White and it was superior to any of the other cottages of its era that were built and that it had a, a bay window. Okay. It had um, machined, you know, uh, finished weatherboards on yep. it. It had lots of little, it had paneling, wood paneling inside it. Yeah. Um, and later found out that he built, he built that as a temporary house while he built a big house down the road. Oh, wow. On a corner, like a massive yeah. house is still there. Um, he built this bigger house. So I found out the history. Yeah, yeah. And that was what got me interested in, in, in heritage. Yeah. And history. That oh, was really? the start of it. Because I actually oh, wow. worked out that, hey, that, that cottage actually, you know, the history of it is this. Yeah. Um, and there's the house down the road that was built where he, you know, where they moved to, the family grew there. Yeah. It's a monster of a house there, but it's still there. And did you get it, did you start to learn that before you bought it or after you bought it? After I bought it. Oh, wow. After I bought it. So I yeah. bought it. I bought it and bought it and renovated it. Yep. It was, didn't, need a, didn't need a massive reno, just needed a, a smick. Yep. So I bought it and gave it a smick and opened the, the veranda had been boxed yep. in on the front. So I opened the veranda back up put some French doors in it and painted it. It looked pretty, yeah, yeah. pretty as a picture. Yeah. And we just finished it and I was there on a Sunday afternoon doing some landscaping. And all these people walked past and they stopped and came back and it was a lady called Pam Wilson from the Historic Places Trust. Yep. And she introduced herself and I showed them through and, you know, they, they liked all this and liked all that. And she said, would you like me to um, research the history? Oh, really? So she researched the history okay. and came back. And the history really tickled me. Yeah. She had quite a bit of history on it. Yep. Um, I can't remember it all, but I, I vividly remember that White was the first owner. Okay. And he built it, and we called it White's Cottage. Yeah. And did it rent well? Like, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. I paid um, paid twenty nine k and spent about six on it doing the work myself. Um, and the rent was like one sixty five a week. Well, um, yeah, good. You know, it was, and it yeah, was, yeah. You know, the metrics were okay. Yeah. Um, I bought another. Three or four after that, had them all at once. Yep. Um, and then around about 1990, I sold them and bought blocks of flats. Yep. And houses and flats. Yep. And was that just because of the better return? Like, did you start to see um, there's an opportunity to have a business here? Or? Well, it what, was, what were you doing at that, that stage? Uh, I was still a car dealer. Yep. I was still a car dealer. Yep. Um, it was, if you had one. One house on a full-size site, yep. the full-size cottage might be on typically 350 or 400 metres of land, yep. but quite a bit of maintenance, Yeah. and okay. people would never do the gardens, yeah. and all that stuff, yeah. so every time you had a vacancy, yeah, they, um, one, all your rent stopped, yep. 100% of it, yeah. not, a, not a quarter or a fifth, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%, 100% of it stopped, and you had to go and tidy up some paint, do some plaster, yep. do the gardens, get it back on the market, yep. it was always three or four weeks rent you lost and it was always you know back in those days you know 500 bucks that you spent so when i bought the flats you buy a block of say a block block of four flats yeah this is this is um this is 1992 yep um block of four flats um yep the wow. block yeah good um two bedders and we used to get about 125, 130 a flat, you get a 10 bucks a week more for the front or back. Yep. Because they're bigger yards. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and if you had one empty, you didn't really feel it. No, because you got the others coming. Correct. Coming in. And if you went there to do the gardens, you just looked after four tenants at once. Yeah, not, true. Not yeah, one. Yeah, not one. Yeah. And because it was flats and they had common areas, you could go there any time of the day or day or night and do well, not night particularly, but you go and do the gardens. Yeah. So you could see what's going on. See what's going on. So I liked it better. So yeah. I bought, bought, bought some blocks of flats. I had about I think three or four blocks of flats, and I had. Uh, three or four old houses that were in flats. Yep. That's well converted. To oh, okay. Yeah. You know, legally converted. Yeah, yeah. Day. So, um, I've still got, I've still got one of those in the fleet. Just yep. one. Just one. One block of. No, like, one old house. One old house. house. One old house. Not the first one. No. <laughs> no, it's actually the last one. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And any reason you kept that? Like just, just kept it. Still, still works. Yeah. Look, I got close. I got close last year to selling it. Yep. And just got busy and didn't really give it any more thought. No, no. But I mean, so where are you mostly invested now? Like you've obviously we're talk, I'm keen to talk about the property, the commercial side, but like uh, in your developments that you're doing because there's some impressive stuff there. But so are you mainly out of res- residential now and into the commercial space? Uh, yeah, I've got, so I've got that one old house in flats. Yeah, some three flats. Got that one old house in it. So it's a lovely old house. Yeah, it just ticks away. Um, Residentially, um, we've got a company called Stockton Residential yep. okay. that, that do residential yep. development. Yep. And it's sort of low key. Yep. Um, so we're not, you don't see us on the back of a bus. Yeah, yeah. But we do do residential developments. Okay. So we, you know, typical Waltham, Sydney, Mapawa, got it. St Albans type yep. location. Yep. Um, uh, so we do those. Um, and the focus, the focus, um, the heavy focus, you know, for the last, 20 years, 22 years has been commercial. Yeah. And mainly in the city stuff. I've got a bit of suburban stuff. Okay. But it's mainly in the inner city stuff. Yeah. And did you start looking at that as a full-time business once you started investing more? Could you see where that, that was the opportunity? Or? Well, what, I vividly remember what happened, but I, I, had, I, had, I had my residential and mm-hmm. it was about you know, 25 or 30 residential tenants. Yep. And I used to run those myself. Yep. And um, Dean Marshall and I, Dean's a, yep. been a friend for, forever. Um, he said to me one day, well, got to get him some commercial. Got to buy some commercial. Yep. And I said, oh, mate, it scares me to death, you know. And he bought one. Yeah. And we went and looked. After he bought it, I went and looked at it and had a bit of a cap of tyres. I said, this is not bad. Yeah. It's not being value for money. And so... Him and I bought um, bought one together. Then we bought another one together. Yep. And then his brother uh, had sold a farm and had some money. We bought another one with him. Yep. Um, and you know, before you knew it, that that uh, portfolio had grown to about twenty eight buildings. Wow. And um, it was. And bear in mind. I'm selling real estate full time. Yep. And Dean's selling real estate full time. And who are you? Who are you selling real estate for? Harcourts. Oh, you with Harcourts? Harcourts, yeah. Is that where I saw your ads? You used to run quite a lot of newspaper ads. Yes. 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 Yeah, because your name would come up quite a bit. Yes. yes. Yeah, I was a top twenty agent in the day. Nice. Um, so it got to the stage where um, I was running around doing real estate and running the properties. Yeah, and it worked quite well. Yes. You're in the market. You're in the market. If you like, if you've got to go for an appointment over that side of town to show someone a house, 
you can stop on the way through town yeah. and give someone a key or pick up a yep. key or yep. see, a, see a tradie that's doing a job or whatever. Yep. And we have an office in town but hardly ever used it. Yeah, yeah. But we used to go there on a Thursday night for about five or six hours yep. and do paperwork. Yeah. And it, was not, it wasn't a computer. We had rent cards. Was was this for your for your property business? Yes. Yep. So when you did you leave? Obviously, you left the the car yard and decided to get into real estate. Did you just see that as a natural progression? Was maybe selling something bigger? Oh, cars have got really tough. Yeah. Mid nineties, imports had ran their day, and, yep. and the and the cars have got really tough. Like you'd, you know, you'd sell you'd you'd sell someone a car, and they pay a thousand dollar deposit. And they're going to pick it up in a week. Get a tow bar on it, get a warrant on it, yep. service it. And they'd ring you back and say, Sean, love the car, great dealing with you, but we found one down the road that's $3,000 cheaper. Jeepers. And I'd say to them, Scott, you couldn't because yeah. I've only got a margin of $1,500 yeah, on yeah, this yeah. thing, you know. And I'd do some research. And, and the, the cars were just going backwards, 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 backwards. Yep. So you had, you had two or three hundred grand tied up in stock that was actually depreciating yeah. on a daily basis Whoa. worth less. And, you know, about back in those days, 90s, it was about 30 grand a month just to open the gate every day. Wow. So I gave it a miss and I, my wife sold real estate. Just, she just quietly sold real estate. So I went into real estate with Harcourts mm. and... Um, Which one did you join? Uh, Harcourts uh, Barrington. Yep. Worked to, I worked at the Barrington office for a number of years and the Beacon office. Yep. It ended up in the same ownership, so yep. you could work at which one you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. It, um, they were good years. It yeah. But when the market, when I first started, was absolutely humming. Yeah, yeah. Um, slowed up. Had, slowed up. We had a few slow years. Yeah. Um, but generally it was really good. And then as I say, I was doing, I was still looking after the commercial stuff. And uh, one day I was running around doing some stuff and uh, I collapsed. Oh, really? Mm. Collapsed in a stairwell. Oh. I remember um, remember walking in there and I was stressed. I had to go and see these painters. Yep. And they'd done made a bit of a mess of a job and the tenant wasn't happy yeah. and I wasn't happy and I was trying to get over there and do this and do that and they'd offers in the air and yeah, yeah. Over, you know, some of the bank, bank accounts weren't balancing and needed money and I had all that in the back of my mind. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just, my head's just spinning. I remember I went to walk up. Last thing I remember was I went to walk up these stairs, and I collapsed. Oh no! And then, um, then the next thing I remember was in the bed in the back of an ambulance. Yeah, yeah. And um, serious, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it was like an uh, anxiety attack. Yep. But I thought it was a heart attack yeah, at the yeah. time, and I was, you know, forties, somewhere in my forties, mid forties maybe. Um, so at that stage, I decided. I can't do both. Yes. Yeah. Can't do both. And I thought, I don't want to be the old real estate agent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that tells all the young ones the stories about the old days. Yeah. So I gracefully just bowed out slowly. Yep. yep. Uh, went out on the winning streak, um, handed my client base to my brother, and, but hand on heart, I still miss the, miss the yeah. job. It's a great, yeah. it's a great, was there any big learnings that you took from real estate that you saw from today? Um, it was discipline. Yeah. You see the good agents, they're really disciplined. Eh? They, yeah. they, they're focused. 
you know, talking to Tony from Harcourts on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, focused and committed, you know, really, really focused yeah. to get, you know, because it's quite a stressful environment. It is. There's a lot going on. It's as stressful as you make it. Very emotional. Yeah. If you're not on top of it, it'll eat you alive. Yeah. Um, But the more organised you are, the better the systems you've got. Yeah. And support around you. Yeah. um, And a thick skin. Yeah. Yeah, because you're dealing with people, right? You're dealing with people. people. And and people who who um, have very emotional times, either it's their biggest asset, there's a lot of money involved, you know, as Tony was saying, you can have breakups, you can have all this stuff going on, you know? Yeah. 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 No, no, it was good days, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so I just, but, but you drew a line in the sand and you picked the, old, uh, the property development and property um, commercial career? Yeah, so yep. basically just, um, instead of going to Harcourt every day, I went to the office in town every day, nice. basically just worked there. Started there full time. I remember when I first started, I um, back when the office, you know, full time. Yeah. I remember sitting at the computer. I used to actually code all the accounts. Oh wow! I used to do a coding. Yeah, yeah. And um, I used to click the send receive on my computer because they hadn't had an email for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice not. I bet you don't do that now. Don't have that option, mate. Because no. they had ninety of them a day coming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so that that's a like obviously a real lifestyle change as well. Um, and that business you had with, with Dean and Grant, like were they, yep, that's the business you still have today. It's yep, one of those. Yeah, that's, um, yep. that's KPI Ross Chong. Yeah. So we've still, still got that, that, that business, that company yeah. still alive and well. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So let's talk about, because I, and I know obviously a big part of, of what you, what you've done has been built out of the earthquakes, right? And I think I met you, uh, as a tenant, but I probably met you before that, um, after the earthquakes, and I was on the board of the CCBA, and you were you were still the treasurer there, right? Yeah. Um, you've been a big part of obviously rebuilding Christchurch, um, and if you look at, I would say a handful of the developers that have actually put their hand up and hand in their pocket to actually do some stuff. And I was talking to a guy, Andrew Wheelie, from the council the other day, and he mentioned your name around. You know, as one of the guys that actually. Um, done a lot for Christchurch, and I think so. Was that was that part of because oh look we had to because or we probably didn't have to. That's the, that's the kind of point I want to get across. Did you you've got buildings that have been smashed, um, tenants out of out of home and all that sort of stuff. What what was that what was that period of time like for you as a commercial business owner? Like you you had a lot of property in town. Pretty scary. Yeah, because we lost. We lost every building on our two. Wow. And how many did you have? In the CBD. I think we had, in the CBD, we had 14. Wow. And um, we had Kensington House left that was broken. Yeah. That's still, still like, yeah. strong, like. Yeah, we've repaired. Yeah. We've done a massive repair. Yeah. Yeah. It was a two and a half million dollar repair. Yeah. 1.8 million of insurance, so. Yeah. You know, but we still repaired it. And then Bonington House, which we repaired. It was yeah. damaged, but we repaired it. Yeah. We lost Strangers. Yeah. Um, we lost Bedford Road. We lost Litchfield Street. We lost yeah. Hatchel Street. Lost Tillerin Baxter House. Um, obviously, the Mexican restaurant, the yeah. Jewelers, um, yeah. lost that in September. Rebuilt it after the February quake. Yeah. Uh, to be told a year later, 26th of July, 2012. Sorry, guys, we're taking this for the frame. Yeah. You know, the tenants were like, 
the day I found that out, I've been giving the tenant saying to move the gear and to have to tell them, tell them two days later that you're out. You're going to be out at some stage. I mean, yeah. it took them a year or two to get the yeah. to G, but yeah. um, that was there. And that was tough going. Yeah. Because we'd made the call, you know, um, a lot of, I remember people coming to me, people of influence yeah. coming to me and said, I hear you're going to rebuild Strangers Building. And I said, yes. And the guy said to me, I think you should go to Auckland and look at Ponsonby. Yeah, yeah. I think it's you. Yeah. You can buy a building out there that's all done and all running. This is the return. Yeah. You can do that, you can do this. And we sort of made the call that, you know, for Dean and I, in terms of the stuff that we're on with Dean, this is home. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, uh, you know, at that stage, my parents were here, or my father was. Yeah. Uh, grandkids, kids. You know, mm. it was all everything's here. It is actually home. Yeah, and I and I like, you know, I like to be able to drive past something. Yeah, nice. You know, like if you want to go, if you want to own stuff yep. in Auckland, and be an absentee landlord. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're probably going to have a property manager there, not have the relationship with the tenant, and you're going to be, you're not going to, be able to drive past and check on it. And no, all that stuff. Yeah. So, Made the call right or wrong to be here, but to be honest, it's been a real grunt. Yeah. It has been a grunt. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not, it hasn't been easy. You know, no. office rents after the quake zoomed up. Yeah. Then they leveled down. They've zoomed up again now, probably to more than what they were. Yep. Um, retail's a bit tough. Yeah. Hospitality's certainly tough. It's got its own challenges. Yeah. Um, you know, where if you're in a, in a city like Wellington or Auckland, you've got population established, you know, client, you know, yeah. op- operations, it does help. Yeah. Most of your tenants, what do you look after though? Are you mainly small commercials, like like this type of stuff that you got here at Cotters? What do you, who do you mainly look after? Um, we've got, in the, in the above your space brand, we've got about 75 uh, small office tenants. Yep. And that might be from Eight square meters to one hundred and ten square meters yeah. of space, um, central city, and you know those those businesses. You know they've obviously got an address. They've got an office. They've got everything's there. For mm. Name on the board. The yeah, whole, but all all set to go, and um, we had that pre quake. Yeah, we two pre quake. We've okay. got seven now. Yeah, nice. Um, it's a it's a it's a really nice model as a tenant. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it, it works. Yeah, and I equally I can see that. You know, if I was a consultant or just had a small business that I ran, yeah. I could, it would actually work really yeah. perfect. Yeah, because you know I don't think anyone works that well from home. No, 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 no. In reality. No, know? I've talked to a number of people like they work from home and like you should go and check out what Sean's done. You know. Because you get you get the, the look of a of a bigger business too. Even if you were already a one man band, you've got boardrooms access. You've got everything, right? Yeah, it definitely helps. Yeah, and what I love about it is you've got an open mindset where you've got an opportunity to grow with with you as well, right? And I think that's something that we've done. You know, like yes, being open minded to hey, can we knock a hole in the wall mm-hmm. <laughs> to 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 make a big office space, which you guys were open to, and that look in the day that was real seamless and then now to moving to, to, to a newer, newer bigger building which is yeah. you know 
um, I think that works well for 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 people as they grow their business. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, how, what are some of the struggles that you had after the earthquake? So, like, was it just dealing with councils? Was it like just our insurance were very, they were yep. very, 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 very good. Yep. We had um, uh, good lots of rents. Yep. Uh, yep. I think we were about 2011 was the, February 2011 was the quake. August 11, we bought, we did a deal with them. Yep. Where we had a settlement, settlement where we had cash. Yep. Money in a pot to build. Yep. Money in another pot to buy. Nice. So to clarify the buy, they wouldn't fund the land. Yep. But they'd fund the building. Okay. And it had to be a similar size to the one that you'd lost. Nice. Got the claim related yep. to. So that, by doing that, it gave us the opportunity to really recover quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. Because you couldn't build 20-something buildings back in no. one hit. No, So we, we, we uh, that gave us the opportunity to recover quite quickly, it gave us the option to build some stuff, like yep. we made a call to rebuild Strangers Building. Yep. Um, so Dean and I and Grant rebuilt that. Um, that came out of that pot, and of course when you bought something or built something, you lost a red stock. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So insurance-wise, it was really good. Um, council were quite supportive at the time. Yep. Um, we had a case manager, still, still do have one, not the same one, but we had a case manager that's worked really, really well. Um, and of course, you know, we were probably first up to rebuild. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, we had roadworks around us. Yes. Which was really frustrating. Yeah, yeah. And then you had other people building buildings. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, as part of the new... Yeah, I reckon we're going to probably have that for the next 10 or 20 years, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can still see some buildings today, there's nowhere near. That's it. Yeah. And we're going to have them. So um, we've done that. That was, that was a bit frustrating in the, in the fact that, you know, the roads have had cones all over them. Manchester Street, I think, took two years. Yeah, to yeah. A taco road assault. <laughs> and, you know, now it's an oversized bus line, you know. It does, it must, it must frustrate you, and I know, you know, we've talked about this, some of the things that do go on there in that planning side of Christchurch, right? I think it's going to be a great city, um, but some of the things need to, it just need a dose of common sense. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's, that's you know, um, we've had, post-quake, we've had a lot of changes to the streetscape. Yeah. In terms of, um, you know, Removing parking, yeah, yeah. Um, cycle lanes that are dangerous. I like, I like, I cycle myself, but um, the, some of the cycle lanes that they built are just nothing yeah. dangerous. Yeah, it could have been done way better. And, and I don't think they've consulted with the likes of St John's and stuff like that. That C, because I remember talking over at Unknown Chapter, talking to um, St John's people, and we got, I was talking about these because a guy got hit on his bike, and they said, yeah, the, the increase of people getting hit because of these cycleways, because cars and, um, and and bikes, bikes are just going down so fast, and they're electric bikes, and they're a lot faster than they yeah. used to be. And now they're in an environment where where people aren't looking and used to looking, more and more people are getting injured. And I don't think maybe the consultation process hasn't filtered down to actually the people on the ground as well, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear. It's interesting to hear now that they're looking to do more of it, right? It's like, come on. You know, don't make the best decisions. Yeah. And, and I guess if you're a council planner or you're a, a street planner, 
and you don't actually, you aren't actually on the coal face and what yeah, happens, yeah. you don't know, you might think, yeah, you know, might think you do, yeah, but you actually don't. I mean, if you actually spend a lot of time in the central city, which I do, you actually see how it, how it works, how, yeah, how it functions, yeah, and um, part of that function is people's habits, where they go, where they want to sit, where yeah. they don't want to sit, yeah, you know, user friendly spaces, non user friendly spaces, yeah. you know, people will trek down a lane to the ducks without a problem, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, and it's got good outdoor areas and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, totally. You know, uh, equally the terrace, you know, our terraces, uh, you know, Anthony's terraces are, you know, you could be sitting there on a Sunday afternoon, you could be anywhere in the world. Totally. But absolutely yeah. outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I reckon it's better than the viaduct. Yeah, world. yeah. What worries me with, with, with Christchurch and owning a business in the city is the parking. Yeah. I think they're making the parking side of things just not workable for business and for people coming into the city. Yeah. You know, there's too many of these soccer lanes are now just going to be taking up, um, you know, parks. Yeah. And, and they want people to come in, but they're not really understanding what makes people come in. <laughs> you know, we're not all catching the bus to come into the city. You know? No, but equally, Scott, we haven't got a good transport system. No. Um, you know, uh, my daughter lives at Horsell with the grandkids, and they can't get a, they, you cannot get a bus from Horsell to Cashmere High School. Wow, there's no there's no bus route there. Crazy. I mean, and it's a flipping straight line. Yeah, there. yeah. So yeah. it's that type. You, mm. you know, we, we should have, we should have, if we had light rail. Yeah. Um, or have extended the tram. Yeah. That would be good, but not everybody practically. Yeah. You know, if you. If you take the bus home every night, the bus every morning, probably morning's fine. Yeah. But for someone like me, I couldn't be I couldn't be tied to that's the time you yeah. have to leave the office. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't work. And I live twenty five Ks out of the central yeah. city. So yeah. that wouldn't work either. But yeah, if the transport system was really, really good, hmm. you could understand yeah. the mentality of it. Yeah. So where do you see, like, Christchurch, where do you see the future for Christchurch? Obviously, you're still investing in Christchurch. Like, you you know, it's beautiful what you've done here at Cotters. Obviously, you see that the Christchurch is a go-ahead city. Like, it's still, you know, it's a place to be. Well, if you look at our property values compared to Wellington and Auckland, yep. we're still below them. Yep. Um, and we were below Dunedin not that long ago. Yeah, yeah. Property values are good. We've got lots of flat land. Yeah. Um, to redevelop still. Selwyn, yeah. which is obviously not part of Christchurch, yeah. but is, has got land for Africa to develop. Yeah. They're building really good infrastructure out yeah. there. So uh, you've got available flat land. Yeah. Which Auckland doesn't have. No. Wellington doesn't have it. Yeah. Dunedin doesn't have it. No. So yeah, exactly. So we're on a good spot with yeah. that. We've got an international airport. Yep. We've got the sea that way. Yeah. You know, if you want to go boating. Yeah. If you want to go surfing, you go that way. Yep. If you want to go skiing, yep. you go that way. We've got um, good hotels and more to come. More We're actually under hotel. Yep. Totally. Um, New stadium being built. Stadium's going to be really good. Yeah. Uh, stadium uh, will will put a lot of money into the economy yeah. that we wouldn't otherwise get. So will the, the sports centre that they're building there on the Antigua Street, that's that's going to be huge. That's, that's yeah. really good. And it's, yeah, that's really good. That'll be really good for Christchurch. Yeah. 
and uh, to Pi, you know, the convention yeah. centre. That's been really good. Yeah. Because what's, what that's done is on a, on a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday night, yeah. it's put people into restaurants and bars. Totally. Lunchtime, people yeah. probably wants to stay there and eat yeah. lunch or go somewhere else. Yeah. And equally, it fills the hotel. Yeah. So that's been, for that reason, yeah. that's been really, really yeah. good. No, dealing with some of the hospitality guys we deal with, they've definitely seen an you know, increase. Yeah. I'll tell you one of the biggest surprises for me, and I was talking to a gentleman the other day, and he said, you know, who's the biggest employer in town and where's the biggest opportunities? And he said the hospital. And he said there's some big opportunities coming through with the hospital. There's three key projects that they're doing. I can't remember what he said, what they were, but he said as a an employer into the city and where the growth is coming from and I never thought about that you just don't think about the hospital but he said there's some projects happening in and around that space that will drive more people coming into the city yeah and I thought that was really interesting too you know so we're in a, in a obviously a good spot you know been through a lot of pain yeah uh, and still there's still some things that frustrate everyone but we are getting our yeah. getting things together where do you like as a let's let's just switch switch um, gears here for a second. Like if you were looking at getting started in the property game uh, again in Christchurch, what would you what would your advice be to someone starting out? Uh, you've got to get on a property ladder as soon as you can. Yep. And uh, if I was starting again tomorrow, yep. Say if I was twenty, yep. And I'm I'm getting married and I want to buy a home. Yep. I would probably. And not everyone wants to do this. Not no one is capable of it. But I'd probably buy. I'd probably buy an old house and two flats. Yep. Or three flats. Yep. And I'd live in one. Yep. And rent the other two to subsidise the mortgage. Nice. And it would do that. Um, or you buy a do up. Yep. You know, something where you can add value to add it. Add value to it. Yeah. Yep. And, and that might be a kitchen, a coat of paint, or whatever. But if you want to add some real value, it's probably more than that. Yeah. You can still do that. Yep. And and the the market we're in currently there's. There's, there's more offerings, there's more of that stuff to do, so yeah. you can do it. Yeah, and not everyone wants to do that, so there's the opportunity to do it, right? That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Exactly right, because the, you know, the generations have changed. Yeah. You know. Well, I was talking to a gentleman the other day, and he made an interesting point, um, and Afterpay has changed the way a lot of people think about, you know, probably our day, uh, in your day, we worked to get the money, then buy, where... Today it's more, hey, you can have it now. Um, so we don't need you. We can. We don't need to earn anymore. Yeah. You know, because we've got our whatever we get a week, and we can split it into four payments. So maybe the, you know, that is that has changed the game, for for you know, the, um, that group of people, in yeah. in this generation that we're in, um, where they don't have to, they don't have to go and do the graft to as much. Don't wait. No, they don't have to wait. Where well, we had to wait. I had to wait. Yeah. Either go and do my milk run, do my paper run. Yeah. Go and collect the money from the paper run as well to get the money to buy what you wanted to buy. Um, so that's, yeah. Okay, so so you, you, you I, I like that advice. Go and do, find something to do something up. I like the theory around, and the thinking around, um, buy three, live in one, rent the other two out. That's a, that's a great opportunity. Um, and I really appreciate this has been this has been a great chat. I'd love to know a little bit more just before we finish off though, like mindset for you. You talked about drivers at the start and being around people. Do you think that's been one of the keys to your your success in in, in um, what you've been doing? People leave clothes. Yeah, yeah. Um, if, you, if you if you um, 
if you mix with people that if you mix with people that are of a similar mindset, whatever yep. format that's in, yeah. um, you will find yourself copying them. Yeah. And did you just find yourself naturally attracted to people that were being, you know, successful? Yes and no. Um, and I've got, despite what people think, yep. I've, got, I've got friends, close friends, who yep. are just normal people. Yeah. You know, yep. they have a job, they work still, yep. they've been employed by a firm for years, yep. they live in a three-bedroom, some else own house, yep. that's nice and tidy, they've owned it for 30 years. Yeah, nice. I've got friends like that. But equally, I've got friends that live in a 800 metre house. Yeah. I've got a housekeeper, and they've got yeah. a guy that comes and details their cars. Yeah. They're still friends, they're yeah. still people. Yeah. Um, but the, whether it's the couple in the, that have been married forever in the three bedroom summer store summer hills don't house yeah. you know all the 800 dollar mansion yeah. you still learn from them you still learn from them you still nice. learn yeah, yeah, yeah. because I think that the, the, you know probably the reflection is that you know one one is um, really stable and balanced and they yeah. always have their kids in perspective yeah. and they spend a lot of time with the grandkids yeah yeah where the other ones are a bit different. Yeah, yeah. So you can see Yeah, yeah totally. You know? Yeah. So, I like that. Um, people leave clues. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They do. If you, if you watch, I remember when I was in real estate, um, I used to watch and study people that were successful at it yep. in the hardcore states. Yes. And it was the way they advertised. Yeah. Um, you know, so back in the day, you could have, you could have a full sale sign with hardcourts on and yeah, you just have for sale, front of the, the office, and then on the bottom you could stick a wee thing on it with, you know, Sean Stockton and a cell phone number. Yeah, yeah. And, or you get your own sign made. Yeah. With hardcore, same, everything fitting the brand. Yeah. But it'll have your photo on it. Yeah, nice. And your phone number, all yeah. part of the sign. Yeah, yeah. So you could pop that up, and I, I copied that from Shane Aitken in the day. Yep. And nice. Then, and then I used to, um, have a friend who would go to some of the other agents' open days and pinch their marketing material. <laughs> <laughs> so the folders they'd get, yeah, yeah. or the way they'd market yeah. stuff. So we'd pinch that and I'd copy it. Copy it. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool, you know. It's called modeling. Yeah, yeah. Research. I yeah, really. Research and deploy. Yeah, so <laughs> if you copy and then if you watched it, how those people worked. Yeah, yeah. And I remember talking to one, one of them at a Harcourt's breakfast. He was doing a bit of a speech, I remember speaking to him and saying, because back in those days, it was a dollar a minute on a cell phone. Yes, true. And, and my cell phone bill used to be between 900 and 1200 bucks a month. Wow. I used to hate opening the envelope. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And so I said to... Yeah, that's so true. I said to Shane Aitken, I said, so when you're driving, when you're driving, do you make phone calls? He said, yep. He said, someone rings you, you ring them back. You don't wait till you yeah, yeah. get to the office, ring them on the landline, because when you get to the office, you'll be busy doing something yep. else. I remember that. I remember yeah. I, I altered how I'd done that. Um, yeah, there was all sorts of marketing, that, and it was about, you know, Sold sign, sold by Sean Stockman, put yeah. it on the sign. Yeah. 
people, you get phone calls off stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. We've had a house for sale for a year, though. Sold nothing and X YZ agency haven't sold it. Can yeah. you come and talk to us? Yeah. You know, because they'd seen your sold sign going yeah. on their street. How good. So that was all important. Just being proactive with all those little things, right? Yeah, yeah. And digital 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 marketing started at about for real estate when I was in it probably late nineties. Yep. We had um website uh you know, properties on the web. Yes, had started. You know, before that, you didn't. No, that was all the realtor. Yep. Yeah, blue book. All the blue book. Yeah. Property press. Yeah. Um, Harcourt's always pushed the blue book, then they stopped realtor advertising altogether. Yeah, 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 they did. Um, and, and everything at open days was was was, you know, you have a binder that thick on a mortgagee sale or a, you know, a, a farmer or a decent house would be that thick. Yeah, yeah. You'd give somebody, and someone ran the office and said. Can you send me some info on that property? You put it in the mail. <laughs> you know, well, today you just go yeah. zip, zip, attach, yeah. you know, ping, and it's done. Yeah. So it was. It's different, and there's more information available today yeah. as well. Yeah. Totally. And but it's easier to get that people the information, right? Like the access to information. One of the things I've noticed, like you guys, you you you're right into the digital space. You're using video and 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 talking about the properties that you have available and stuff like that. So have you seen the growth of that and the, I guess. The, the more desire to get into that space because I see you fronting the videos and, and being involved there? Yeah, they've, they've worked really well. I mean, mm. we have, we have uh, solid inquiry all the time yeah. for office. Yeah, nice. Um, and a lot of it, they've seen it on Facebook or yeah. it's driven to the web. Yeah. Or, um, I see you do billboards as well. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. Um, so all that stuff helps. Yeah. You don't, it's quite often with advertising, it's really hard to pinpoint where it's come from. Yeah. Yeah. It might be two or three mediums. It might just be brand awareness. Yeah. And, yeah. And I found real estate was exactly like that. Where yeah. People, I'd often go to functions and people would know me, but I wouldn't know them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because you have you uh, top of mind brand awareness. People are seeing you all the time. Yeah. The interesting thing I see, and, and over the years I've seen why marketing works. It's consistency of message, plus frequency of reach to create relevancy. And if you've got a consistent message out there in the marketplace, and you're frequent with that, whether you're on billboards, whether you're on video, whether you're on Instagram, on radio, on TV, whatever you're doing, as long as you're you know consistent message, frequency of reach to, you become relevant. You know, and you're relevant to those people. The, the key thing with marketing is most people don't give themselves enough time to become relevant, you know, so they quit too early, so that they don't become uh, relevant enough, where it could have been that extra month that you advertised that that person saw you again and then they're, they're ready to sell their house, oh, let's contact Sean, you know, um, and a lot of times when marketing falls down it's because they just haven't spent, they don't have enough bandwidth, well, they don't have enough bandwidth to, to stay in the game. Yeah. They don't give themselves a chance to become relevant, and that's when you do, that's when you win because people start recognizing you at events, people start seeing your signs and all that type of stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, even you've created a bit of a brand for yourself, you know. And I don't know, you know, you dress well, you know, you've got um, shoes that a lot of people will go, Hey, Sean, have you seen Sean's shoes today? You know, the girls will say, Have you seen, you know, so you're creating a bit of a brand around that. Was that intentional? No, um, no, that, no, 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 it wasn't. No, I, um, I, um, <clears throat> uh, 
I had to buy, we were going to a wedding, I had to buy a pair of shoes back 2009. Yep. And um, I've met Anthony Goff. Yep. Yes. And seen the shoes that, yep. that he wore, and I thought, that's just crazy, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, I went down to went down to Marzo on Casual Mall yep. at the time, went down there one morning on the, on the way to work and had a look at the shoes and thought, I quite like this. And they weren't out there, they were yep. like silver, silver, silver grey with some green bits on them. And I bought them. Yeah. And I walked them to the wedding with a sort of a grey yep. suit and got a few comments on them. Yeah. They look really good. We yeah. do those, don't allow. But they're expensive. No, they're $80. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, walked. Then I started wearing them to work. Yeah. And then I couldn't put the black ones back on. <laughs> no. So yeah. I bought some more. Mm. And, um, and I just like wearing them. Yeah, yeah. Just I enjoy wearing them. I like yeah. wearing them. As I say, I can't. If I go to a, if I'm going to a, these days if I go to a funeral or a wedding, I wear black or tan. Yep. Because it's, I don't want to be the yeah yeah scent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was Matt shoes, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember, I remember seeing him. This is guerrilla marketing, but I was on the terrace drinking, and someone either either him, which Glenn or one of his staff, were riding a. A um, Segway up and down the the strip that it was called back in the day, and he had his business just around the corner, and it was three pairs. Was it was three pairs of maybe two hundred dollars or something like that. And I remember going around there, same experience. Bought a pair of shoes. People started going, "Oh, I love those shoes. Love those shoes." You know, yeah. And he's created. He definitely created. Well, he sold a lot of shoes. You know, oh, yeah. Designer brand shoes, and yeah. So yeah. Definitely, you've created your brand there with those, so, so I know you're going to keep doing that. So, <laughs> how good. Hey, Sean, this has been a great chat. Is there anything else you'd like to, like to you know, maybe talk to some people about? Like, is there any uh, last bit of advice that you think you'd want to share? Maybe just touch briefly on some of the charitable stuff that I do. Yeah. Oh, nice. Definitely, yeah. 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 Let's talk about that. Yeah. So, um, so, 2001, yep. I get a phone call from this guy to say, could you come down to Aranui? Yep. We lease a building down here and the landlord's going to put the rent up. We think it's unreasonable. Mm. Can you just come down and talk to us? Nice. Yep. Okay. Have some tea, get in the car, drive down, talk to this guy and he starts showing me all these kids that he works with and wow. telling me about some of the backgrounds yep. of families and, you know, a lot of them are gang kids. Their yep. parents are gang members or the dad's in jail or whatever they're not all good. not it's not a great yeah. not a great story but no. when you when you look at what he'd done it was it was pretty good yeah, yeah. this is good this guy's really good so we sat there and we hadn't even talked about the rent or talked about the building yeah and we chatted away for probably about two and a half hours wow anyway this wee girl comes in and she's nine years old and she says um richard i can't find um mum so we go down this pub down the corner, so they used to call it the Hampshire Hilton. Mm-hmm. And this guy ran it. It's not a big pub, so we get down there and this lady's auntie's there. Yeah, yeah. And she is absolutely off her chops, no. drinking jugs again. Yeah. And I couldn't understand a word she said, like, really bad. Yeah, yeah. And Richard said, you know, where's the woman? And, and she just couldn't get it out. Anyway, the guy next to her said, oh, she got jailed today. Oh. So the mother had gone to jail, oh. and the dad was already in jail for that murder at the Wymac. Whoa. And um, 
so Richard uh, rang, he had a friend who was on um, SIPs and rang this lady and the wee girl got picked up. She had yeah. a brother at home, young brother at home. Yeah, that's intense. Picked him up. Yeah. And I thought, mate, this is fucking terrible. Yeah, yeah. So the next day, Richard, and I get home at about quarter past twelve. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, so the next day, Richard rings me and he goes, "Oh, really sorry about last night. Sorry I didn't get a chance to talk about the about, yeah, yeah. about the rent and that." I said, "That's right, mate. I'll, I'll, I'll come and see." He says, "No, I'll come and see you." So he came and saw me, and we chatted about the rent. He said, "The landlord wants this and that for it." So I rang the I rang the guy. A couple of days later, I rang him and I said, "Look." Mate, what's the deal with this? I said, these guys have rented literally a rundown shell off you. Yeah, yeah. They've renovated the thing up over a period of a couple of yeah. years. This place runs on a smell of only rag. Yeah. They're working with at-risk youth and children in need. You know, and I said, you know, I said, yeah. this, this girl walked in, rocked in there, nine, wow. hadn't had a tea, didn't know where her mother was, yeah. you know. I said, haven't you got a heart? And he says, look, I'm a landlord. I thought, what do you do, you know? Um, <laughs> The rent's that, take or leave it. I said, okay, that's fine, I'll report back to Richard. So, got back to Richard. Richard was, oh, we're going to have to raise some more money to do this and do that. It's okay, yep, that's cool. So, I went away and I thought about it, and I Googled up and had a wee look who owned the block and if there's yep. anything for sale there. And sure enough, two doors down, there's a building for sale for 30 grand. Wow. So I picked up the picked up the phone, ran the agent. The agent said, "Oh yeah, yeah, oh, that is still for sale. Yeah, the guy wants to sell it, this and that." So anyway, got a contract. I wrote a contract up to buy to buy it for thirty grand. Didn't have a dollar. Yeah, yeah. I wrote a contract for thirty grand to buy it, subject yep. to DD. Yep. Went around five people. Yep. And I said, "Hey, I've just met this guy. This is what he does. Wow. Fell into this." I said, "I said I'd like him to have his own building." So, one guy tipped an eight grand, another guy tipped a nine grand. Another guy said, oh, look, oh, he was a builder. He said he'd gone from being on the tools to just, you know, supervising. He said, look, I've got a work out there that I don't want. You can take that and sell it. So I sold that at Turner's, got five and a half grand for it. Brilliant. I tipped in some money, and before you know it, we had 45 grand. Awesome. This is from five people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And six, including me. And, um... So we bought the building, and then I rang the landlord back. So I bought the building, and then I rang the landlord back, and I said, hey, look, thanks for your time. Richard's asked me to give you a call. Um, the lease expires in about three months. Just wanted to give you the heads up that we'll be out. Oh, 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 that, why is that? And I said, we've, we've bought a building two doors down. <laughs> oh, uh, what am I going to do with my building? And I said, well, maybe you should sell it to us. Yeah, yeah, jokingly. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he rings me back the next day and said, um, "I want this for my building." And like, what he wanted for his was what was what we'd paid for the other plus about half what we were going to spend on the other one. Yeah. So it was an okay deal. So I committed to buying it. Whipped back around the five guys again. They had some other people that they knew. Like there was a guy who had a chemist. He had a chemist shop and he ran some of the stock that he sold out of the chemist shop, he had under a separate little trust. Yep. It was called the Gum Gum Trust and he sold chewing gum to stop people smoking. And, Classic. And so he gave us five grand. Okay. And 
before you know it, we had enough money to buy that as well. So the so the so the trust ended up with um, the two buildings, yeah. and then sometime later we bought a third building. Mm. So we've got three we've got three buildings down there now. We've got one that's the office. We've got one that's called the drop-in centre. Yep. So they run. Um, you know, kids need to talk to someone, yeah, yeah. or they need food, wow. or um, you know, some of them don't have a place to stay sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we've got a community cafe which we have someone else run. Yep. That's called Kai Connoisseurs. I mean, a lady called Sashi who runs an independent business out there. Wow. But she caters, she does catering uh, and food production in the back of it. Yeah. But in the front of it, she sells, she just runs the cafe. Yeah, yeah. And it's good tucker. Yeah, yeah. And so you can just go in there and if you've got no money, yeah. you can just give her a, a donation of some sort. Wow. And you can eat. Or you can buy breakfast for like five bucks. Yeah. And whereabouts is this? It's in Aranui in Hampshire Street. Hampshire Street. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. So. 20 years later I'm still there yeah yeah and the people that you've still invested with the, 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 the yep. a lot of them still support yep. and so how does people support something like that because you know, there'll be people listening going man I didn't even know that existed we know there's a problem one of the things I really like about what you're saying there's a problem right and I've got a saying you're either part of the problem or part of the solution yeah. you're being part of the solution here yeah. you fell into it but you obviously care enough that yeah. you know 20 years later how do people get involved in something like this like, um, or support what you guys we, are doing. We, we run a supporters evening every August, yep. but it's Crossroads Youth for the Future, and they've got a, we've got a website. And um, what was it called again? Crossroads Youth for the Future. Crossroads Youth for the Future. Yeah. Nice. So you can give. Yeah, I think you can give online. Yep. On the website, you can go okay. and give, and yep. we have a we have a thing called the Hundred Club. Yep. Where you can just give a hundred bucks a week, hundred bucks a month, hundred yep. bucks every quarter. 10 bucks a week, it doesn't matter. We have a lot of people that give to that. Yep. And we and we get money for that. We, we're supported by um, RATA, lotteries, um, councils, yep. you know, the likes of those. So yep. we work with, um, they do um, a Get Real program. Yep. And then a Stay Real program. And they work with schools, they work with kids that no one can work with. Yeah, yeah. Because um, a lot of times these kids, they just need some guidance, they need better. Um, mentors, leaders, yeah. followers to, if you're ever going to break the cycles, they've got to have other people that they're, yeah. they're getting advice from. Yeah, you we, know? yeah, we've had some really, we've, over 20 years, we've had some real wins down yeah, there. Yeah. So some of them have, some of the kids that, 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 that they work with have, they've got their life together. Yeah. They've grown as people. Yeah. They've been influenced others in the community yeah totally and others in their family yeah so they you know you get to the Y on the road yeah you go that way or yeah. you go that way and there's we've a had, path yeah and equally there's a whole family down there that when the, the trust first started in the late 90s down there they went to Richard yeah and told him basically you'll last five minutes here like any other person with a white face yeah yeah we don't like you you're not welcome here yeah yeah they went from that within about Took six or seven years. They went from that to um, Richard gets an invite to the wedding. Wow. Gets an invite to family funerals. Wow. They come and help at working bees. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of restoration stuff that yeah. goes on. And, um, you know, some of those kids have gotten jobs. Yeah. Well, I've got, I've got a couple of jobs with people that I know as yeah, yeah. La- builders, labourers, then they've done a building friendship. Yeah. Um, and you think about it, 
you look at it in you look at it in isolation and a lot of what happens down there seems hopeless. Yep. You know, the cycle yeah. and the, the violence, the drug abuse, all that stuff seems hopeless, but imagine what it would look like if we all done nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so know? true, right? If if yeah. if we done nothing, it'd be ten yeah. times as bad. Yeah, yeah. So um so I'm I'm still involved down there. And, um, that's amazing. I appreciate you sharing because I didn't know a lot of that, and I think yeah. that's uh, that'll be part of the story that we'll really, really want to get in front of people because you're right. It, like, and I think New Zealand as a population right now feel a bit hopeless around with all these um, raids that are going on and all this sort of stuff, and no one's really coming up with answers at the at the the. I guess the governance level, the the politician level, yeah. where you know you've got something here that is actually working. That there is, we can not feel as hopeless. We can, we can actually do some things. So that, that's amazing. And yeah. the fact that you've been twenty years ago, that's pretty yeah, how good. Yeah. And it came from a call that just a, it came from a call about a rental, about, rental about, about a rental rate for yeah. property. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and they do camps as well. Yeah, they do camps wow. and um, do about four camps a year. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, a lot of the, lot of the kids that work so one on one with them because yeah. they've, they've just got so many issues. Yeah. Um, but the success rate's quite good. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I really appreciate you sharing that. That because uh, in and I know there'll be people there listening that will really want to check out. So that was Crossroads Futures. Crossroads Youth of the Future. Youth of the Future. Yeah, yeah we'll definitely. Know. We'll put the link in the, in the um, episode notes for that. So, hey, Sean, I really appreciate your time. This has been a great chat. Thank you. Um, I appreciate the you know the willingness to share. I still can't get over the fact that your phone bill was twelve hundred bucks a month. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel so bad about paying mine now at the moment. But uh, you know, all jokes aside, you you're, you're a leader in Canterbury and and you know leading the way with the developments that you've got you're developing. So you know, appreciate the fact that you also appreciate the fact that you're spending time to. Um, uh, restore um, some of these beautiful buildings that we have and I know there'll be people well there's people daily coming apart, uh, past and the tram goes straight past Cotters and taking photos and stuff like that I actually met up with a lady yesterday she was downstairs taking photos and um, as she came inside she was just blown away by it so it's, yeah. uh, you've got you're onto something there uh, I think people appreciate it so awesome uh, appreciate your time and uh, thanks for being a guest on Marketing Business Podcast thanks Scott thank you cheers hi Scott here again hey thanks for listening to the Marketing for Business Podcast uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to listen and we hope that you learned a lot from today's episode uh, if you could be so kind as to rate and share the podcast with your other business friends and colleagues that'd be awesome and if you'd like to listen to more episodes why don't you head over to our website www.getdigitalinfluence.com Uh, We've got a whole bunch of other amazing interviews with business owners. Thanks for your time and have a great day.